If you haven't been with us for uh, two nights now, we've looked at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 6. You can go ahead and turn there, Matthew the 6th chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, uh, the ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. Hold up your hand and they'll get a Bible to you and turn with us to Matthew 6. Also find, if you would, Luke chapter 12. Matthew 6 and 33, I shared on Monday night how that the Lord helped Phyllis and I. It was a pivotal time in our lives. Uh, We were struggling, struggling, struggling for years financially. Uh, Not in good shape, getting in worse shape. And this is after I'd been to Bible school, after I had, uh, I, I preached on prosperity. I believed in prosperity. But the Lord took me to this verse. Read it out loud with me. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He took me to that verse and he said, son, you're not doing that. You and Phyllis are not doing this. You know it. But you're not doing it. I was a little bit taken aback. Because I thought well you know man. We we left home. We left everything. To pursue the Lord's direction. And call and ministry. And he, he was able to communicate me. Well yeah you, you're doing that. For the direction of the plan. But you're not doing this in your finances. And that's what I was praying about. I was pleading with him. He, he said you're not doing this in your finances. Yeah, how many think you ought to put him first. In every area of your life. One preacher said he thought if some folks were honest when they got baptized, they'd hold their wallet up (laughs) because they're not really consecrating that part of their life to him. (laughs) Well, he ought to be first in every area of your life. And he dealt with me about tithing uh, very specifically and about putting him first. And I didn't tell the rest of it, but uh, Phyllis and I, uh, the Lord, we, we begin to do that, and the Lord told me, He said, "That's you know, that's good. That's not enough. You've you you've put yourself first with your cars and with your stuff and with your eating out and and these things." He said, "Son, I don't care if you got five of those later on, but that's not where you are. You're trying to act like you're at a place you're not yet." And because of what you've done to yourself financially, you don't have anything to give. And the reason you don't have anything to give is because you've committed all this in these personal areas. So I had a new car. I'd only had about three months. I began to understand I need to get rid of this thing. I liked it, but that's not the most important thing. And I comforted myself with what he told me. He said, son, I don't care if you got three or four or five of these later on. I thought, all right. <laughs> Did you know the Lord your God is a jealous God? You are not to have anything more important to you than Him. No person, certainly not anything, not any activity, not any interest, not any hobby or recreation. A lot of things He doesn't mind you having and enjoying, but they must not interfere. And get in the place of him. So we we sold that car. And I had a pickup. And the Lord dealt with me. You need to sell that too. I thought well I want to have a car. <laughs> and he had given. 
us a car that was Phyllis's car. And he said, you could ride with her. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'd had my own car since I was 13. I grew up in the country. And uh, so I went to Phyllis. I said, can I ride with you, please? <laughs> it was good for me. And so she was so kind to let me ride with her for, what was it, a year and a half or so? And so a lot of times I'd, you know, once in a while she's busy, she wasn't done, and I'd have to wait a little bit. I learned to practice my patience. (laughs) She wasn't just making me wait for no reason, she had stuff to do. And and, uh, so we we quit eating out so much, and, and we got rid of those car payments, and got rid of the insurance that went with them, and got rid of some other stuff, and we begin to be stronger partners with ministries, and we begin to be faithful, and, and we tithe like we're supposed to, and, and I, you know, we tightened our belt for about a year and a half. Now see, some people don't want to talk about that. They just want you to, you know, we can just go out and spend everything and overcharge every credit card and just make a couple of good confessions, it'll be okay. No, no, no. If you're, if you're putting yourself and your stuff and your wants and your desires and even your needs first ahead of him, you're violating the first principle of prosperity. What is the first principle of prosperity? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things, your clothes, your food, your house, your transportation, all these things you won't have to struggle and strive for. He'll add them to you while you're seeking the kingdom. Now this is the life. This is a good way to live. This is the blessed way to live. And uh, it wasn't, you know, a couple of years that the Lord began to uh, 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 begin to have some of these things back and, and be able to enjoy them. But they weren't first. They were way down the line. And we were giving like we needed to. Of course, we were tithing and we are giving like we needed to. And uh, we've just been increasing ever since. God is good. I said he's good. But you got to do what he tells you to do. You can't just ignore his word and think everything's going to be okay. Go to Luke, if you would, the 12th chapter. This is Luke's account of this same uh, teaching and words of Jesus. But he uh, says some things a little differently. Luke 12 and 15. You know, uh, you can add things to yourself the wrong time and the wrong way. And if you do, it'll be a burden to you. But the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he adds no sorrow. When the Lord adds something to you, it's not a burden to have and keep up with and maintain and pay for. There's no sorrow with it. It's no burden. Did you hear the phrase? Now, you can add things to yourself prematurely. You know, the human nature in flesh is that you work hard a little bit and you think, I need to reward myself. <laughs> but you're not supposed to reward yourself. You're supposed to wait on the Lord and let him reward you. Oh, this is going over big. Because <laughs> see, if it's up to your flesh, you'll honor yourself every other day. 
I work hard, so I need something nice. (laughs) I've worked hard all week. I need to splurge. And so you're honoring yourself. And you're adding to yourself. Oh, I need debt. That'll make me feel better. (laughs) That'll, That'll bless me and help me. Yeah, you're blessing yourself. You're honoring yourself. Now, if you'd wait on the Lord... He wouldn't do it every other day. (laughs) And you'd learn some stuff. (laughs) If you wait on him. You know your your flesh. When does it want everything? Now. (laughs) Now. Your flesh does not want to hear wait. No never. Never. Your flesh wants it now. Your flesh's slogan is get it now anyhow. <laughs> Talk about your flesh. My flesh. All of our flesh is the same in this respect. Get it now anyhow. No matter if you got the money, you don't. Get it now. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may be dead. You got to party while you can. You only go around once. You got to grab what you can, when you can, while you can. No. And so what people do is they sacrifice their future. I didn't say it right. They forfeit their future for what they can grab today. Now that's not just me talking. They forfeit their future in exchange for grabbing something now. But a man or woman of faith will sacrifice today for glory tomorrow. Will sacrifice and contain yourself and control yourself today because the motto, the, the, that's not the right word, the phrase of faith, the flesh was what? Get it now, anyhow. But a faith is, if you wait, it'll be great. If you wait, wait what? Wait on the Lord. Wait on His timing. Wait on his way. Don't add it to yourself. Wait on him. Let him add it to you in his time and his way. Now see what you, the the nature of the flesh and unbelief and fear is, well, if I don't do it, it won't happen. If I don't make it happen, it'll never happen. That's unbelief. That's fear. You got to believe God loves you. And he's a good God. And he doesn't want you to miss out on any good thing. And if it's really something that you ought to have and enjoy, he'll get it to you. And it'll be the right thing. And if you have, if you have to skip it this, this quarter or this year or, or the, this couple of years, just rejoice because the new ones will be better. The new ones will be improved. But faith doesn't get down and faith doesn't feel like it's being mistreated or left out or missing anything. 
You ever heard of a middle-aged crisis? Have you ever heard of a middle-aged crisis? (laughs) Describes somebody that just goes berserk. (laughs) And they start acting strange. Start spending all their money. What What are they trying to do? The same thing is happening exactly as with a three-year-old that you told to go to bed. <laughs> Anybody ever told little ones to go to bed? I mean, this is sleepy. Does he said, "Okay, let's go to bed." No, <laughs> no, I'm not sleepy. No, why? Why don't they want to go to sleep? Concerned they might miss something. It's the same thing that's happening with confused 50-year-olds. <laughs> same thing exactly as with a three-year-old. Same. They're, they're afraid they might be missing something. I'm getting older and wonder if there's something out there that I'm missing and you know, it won't be long, I'll be so old and ugly, nobody won't look at me, so I better <laughs> I better put the moves while I can and I better scared you're gonna miss something. Scared life is passing you by. That is a sure way to miss something. Because your fears will come on you. And how many people have ruined their life? thrown away precious relationships and, and destroyed their respect and their job and all kinds of stuff, acting a fool, trying to grab this and grab this and play this and play that. But the three-year-old, should they be so concerned at 9.30? What are they going to miss before the next morning? And yet they're concerned about it. No. Don't make me go to bed. No. What are they going to miss? What are they going to miss? See, you have perspective. You have experience. And so it doesn't affect you that way. You see it. They're seeing it through three-year-old eyes. Well, our God has perspective. And he has experience. And he loves you. He loves you more than any of you know how to love your kids and your three-year-olds. I'm telling you, He loves you. I said He loves you. And if you'll stick to Him and believe and stay connected in faith to Him, He will not let you miss one good thing. He won't. If you're over here working away and it looks like it's going to pass you by, I assure you, I've seen it. If he has to rearrange some things, he will not let you miss out. If it looks like you missed on some stuff, either it wasn't worth being involved in, you just didn't know, or it ain't over yet. And he will do it for you. Faith is a rest. Man, it helps you so much. When you realize, I'm going to be around forever. So I can chill. I can relax. 
I'm not going to be down here forever. I know that. But that's not all there is to it. I'm going to be around forever. And God loves me. And he is. If I'll stay hooked with him. He is not going to let me miss the important stuff. And the big stuff. He will take care of me. I'll be at the right place. At the right time. The right thing will happen. Isn't that faith? And that faith will secure it to you. But if you get scared and you start trying to grab what you can now, your fears will come on you. Don't sacrifice tomorrow for something you can grab today. Be willing to wait on the Lord. Somebody say, wait on the Lord. Say it again, wait on the Lord. See, the Lord told me, you know, about my car and the other stuff that we had. He said, uh, he said, son, I don't care if you have three of those later on. Just, uh, you need put me first. Put me first. And so I could, I could do it in faith. I lost money on it, and it only had what I think it had five thousand miles on it. And the guy I drove off in it is the first real sports car I'd ever had. But I smiled and I said, I'm liable to have three of them later. But I'm not there yet. I got to put God first. That's not the most important thing to me. You need to do more than talk. You need to prove it. You need to prove it. If you want to know what's first to you materially and financially, get out your checkbook. Look at your, what do they call it? Ledger. See what you've been spending all your money on. That's what's important to you. Don't make a difference what you say. That's it. Look at it. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if you can get free and have faith and believe, I'm not going to be denying myself forever of all these things. Uh, the Lord will add them to me. Right time. Right way. I'm not going to have three of these later on. Glory to God. Can you say glory to God? Did you find Luke 12, 15? He said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. How much stuff you've got doesn't show you're a person of faith. You know. Some people among charismatics and faith people have, they equate, you know, if you got a big house or you got a fancy car, you know, that, that means you're a man of God. We don't know how you got that. <laughs> it's not what you have. How did you get it? And we've already talked about, you can add stuff to yourself by lying, cheating, doing all kinds of stuff, doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, or you can wait on the Lord. He can add things to you. And when he does, and it's almost always, almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. (laughs) But that's good for your flesh. Your flesh needs to be crucified. Doesn't it? Him and I want one. Well, shut up. (laughs) I want it now. Shut up. Shut up. Serve God. Yeah, but I need it. I need it. Hush. It's good for you. 
And then when you get to where you don't even think about it anymore as far as all that craving and stuff, then the Lord can give it to you. Now it's in the right place. Can you see this? But when when that's all you can think about, night and day, night and day, night and day. And sometimes people think, well, I'm making confessions. I claim it. I believe I have it. I believe I have it. I believe I receive it. I believe I receive it. Yeah, you believe you receive what? I I believe I receive my car. My car. Thank you, Lord, for my car. car. Yeah, but you've got car on the brain. It's not okay. I'm supposed to think about car all the time, house all the time. Supposed to think about the Lord. His things. The kingdom. What, you, what we need to have is kingdom on the brain. Kingdom, kingdom in the morning. Kingdom at lunch. Kingdom when the sun goes down. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Kingdom. That's the same thing as saying you got God on the mind. Same thing as saying you got Jesus on the mind. Because it's his kingdom. Keep reading. He spoke a parable unto them saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room wherewith to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, thou is added by the translators. He just cut right to it. Fool. <laughs> fool. This night your soul will be required of you. And then who shall those things be which you have provided? You're out of here. So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. There is rich in this world, and there is rich in God. They're not the same at all. Which one you want to be? Help me out. Which one? Rich in God. Rich in God. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. I heard a fellow one time say years ago, he had just, this was years ago, and uh, he, he got a, a new Porsche turbo the nicest one that they made and even back then years ago it was a hundred something thousand dollars and so he got it and somebody asked him said what's the greatest thing about that car he said the day before I got it (laughs) did you understand that or not why because it was it was still a dream but the day after you get it it's a car. <laughs> and a week after and a month after, it's tires have to be changed, oil has to be changed, wears out. It's a car. And it don't change you into somebody else. And it don't make you thrilled and happy 24-7. Well, I think it would, Brother Keith. That's just because you hadn't had it. <laughs> See, poor folks can at least imagine that if they had it, they'd be happy. But a lot of rich folks are miserable. Because they've got it. And it doesn't make them happy. And that's why a lot of them get suicidal. Because they got everything money can buy. And they're still miserable. At least a poor, poor guy can imagine. 
But it's not true. You are a spirit being made in the likeness and image of God. And the only thing that will satisfy your insides is doing the will of him that sent you. Remember Jesus said that? He told him. He said, I got food to eat you don't know about. They said, who fed him? He said, no, my food, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. It satisfies me. It satisfies me. That is the only thing that will satisfy You can't enjoy a new car like it ought to be enjoyed unless you're right in the middle of the perfect will of God and in full fellowship with him. Then you can enjoy a car. You can't enjoy a house. Like it ought to be enjoyed unless you are right in the middle of what you're supposed to be doing in God. And your fellowship is full with Him. And you can walk through that house and praise God and sing in tongues. If you're out of the will of God and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, there ain't enough money in all the world to fill that hole. I'm telling you, some people have found it out. Just believe it. He said, So is he that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Did you notice how many times that guy said I or my? Go back and look at it again. Verse 16, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. So he's rich. And he thought within himself. All this is happening in his space. Inside himself. And he said, what shall I do? Because I have no room wherewith to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And then will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat, drink and be merry. And God said, fool, fool. You're not going to enjoy any of that. You're leaving here tonight. He was working and concerned to redeem and keep his stuff and didn't realize he was out of time. Time is more precious and in more need of redeeming than money and stuff. People live like they're going to do this forever. And the clock is ticking on every one of us. Hmm. How many folks from the 1600s still around? <laughs> huh? 1500s. 14. None of them. Absolutely none. Lord Terry's is coming a few years. None of us will be here. None. He wouldn't have to tarry very long. For all of us to finish out our days. Our time is so precious. Our days are so precious. You're much better off wasting money than you are time. And yet most people don't think that way. They think, well, I've got more time than I do money. Mm. You don't know what's important. This guy, now I know people vilify this guy. And they think, yeah, sorry, Rascal, he wasn't thinking right. Was he selfish? Listen, he just described most of the church. Why? Because most people are thinking about, what was he talking about? He was talking about safety and security and retirement. Wasn't he? That's what he's talking about. 
He's talking about getting set up. So he don't have to work so hard. He's got his savings. He's got backup for his savings. He's prepared. He's got backup to his backup. So he can kick back and not work so hard. He can relax. He can enjoy life. Describes most of the church world. Working. Trying to get the kids through school. Trying to sit a little back. Why? So we can quit having to push so hard. And, and um, you know, have a little fun. Retire. Maybe drive around and see the country some. Take a cruise. Kick back. Eat and drink some. Same thing. Someone say, what's wrong with that? Nothing if you're a sinner. If you're a child of God, living your life is not supposed to be first. Seeking the kingdom of God. Did this guy, when he had extra come in, did he start thinking and talking about the kingdom? What we can do in the kingdom. No, not a word is said about the kingdom. Is it? Why? Well, whatever you're full of, that's what comes out of you. He was full of concerns about him and his and safety and security and being able to rest and retire and be okay. And so he thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to open up some other accounts and I'm going to back up my backup. I'm going to enjoy, enjoy myself. I've worked hard and I'm going to enjoy myself. Play with my grandbabies and do some fishing and play some golf. And God said, fool, fool, you're out of here tonight. It's quiet in this, in this church. Now, I enjoy playing in the water, walking on the beach, riding a motorcycle and blowing the leaves off the road. Much as the next guy. But there are no rewards for it. No rewards for laying on the beach. No rewards for catching fish. No rewards for playing golf. Swimming, skiing. I didn't say you couldn't do it. But you just need to understand. That's the end of it. There's no reward because it had no impact on the kingdom. Unless you shared the gospel with somebody out on the golf course. It's a possibility, but you know what I'm talking about. We must become kingdom-minded. So many, including Christians, they have heard faith and prosperity and got excited and thought, these are things I can use to have a better life. And that is not right thinking. Selah. That's not what you should think. That's understandable if you're a baby and you don't have understanding. Babies are naturally selfish. That's all they think about is their self. Babies will scream in the middle of the night and it never crosses their mind that they disturbed you and woke you up. <laughs> never crosses their mind. And it don't have to be any big deal. They just feel a little uncomfortable. Ah! Totally self-focused, 
self-centered. That's not strange. They're a baby. But you're not supposed to be a baby all your life. You're supposed to grow up. Spiritually, we're supposed to grow up. And if you grow up, you will stop thinking only about you and your family and your stuff. If you grow up, you'll start thinking about the kingdom. And instead of thinking, great, I found a new faith principle. Great, glory to God, I found out something about prosperity. It'll help make my life easier and better. No, you need to think, all of my assets are available for kingdom use. It's not what can I use for me. It's what God can use me to do for him and his kingdom. And in doing so, all your needs get met. Because if you're doing that first, all the stuff you needed is what? Added to you. Keep reading. He said, verse 22, to his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. How are you going to retire? How are you going to pay for your kids' education? Hmm? How, are you going, how are you going to do it? Same thing. Consider the ravens. We talked about that last night. They don't sow. They don't reap. Don't have storehouses. Nor barn. Do not be conformed to this world. You don't have to do your finances the way the world says you have to do them. It can look like you are not going to be okay later on. But if you're putting God first, you will be. Did you hear me, friends? Because he'll do some things. And other people that have saved and scrimped and done all the right things... Did you understand there is nothing safe and secure in this world? I mean, that's been shown in the last few years. People that thought they had it safe in this and safe in that, and that could never go under, and it's gone. And it's worth half of what it was. And that's what he says in this very passage. Uh, Don't just pile it up and don't just trust where thieves can break through and steal and where it can be worth a portion of its value and later on. Lay it up. In the heavenlies. Where it is 100% secure. And you can't lose it. Keep reading. He said which of you. Verse 25. With taking thought can add to his stature one cubit. If then you be not able to do the thing which is least. Why take ye thought for the rest. Consider the lilies how they grow. They toil not. They spin not. Yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory. Was not arrayed like one of them. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? You need to be absolutely, totally persuaded that if I'll pursue the kingdom, I will never lack. I will never lack for a place to live. I'll never lack for good clothes to wear and good food to eat and a good way to go. I will never lack. I will never lack. If I'll seek God and I'll do His will, it doesn't matter what the economy does or doesn't do or who's in office or who's not. I will be taken care of. 
The Lord is my good shepherd. I shall not want. All I got to do is see to it that I'm seeking his kingdom. I'm seeking his kingdom. And he told me he would add all that stuff to me. I'd have it. Abraham. The Lord told him to take his son up on the mountain. Offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. And when his son looked at him and said, Papa, got the wood, got the fire, got the rope, got the knife. Where is the sacrifice? I think he was figuring it out. (laughs) And Abraham said, the Lord will provide. If you look up the whole thing, it has to do with one of those compound names of Jehovah. The Lord who sees ahead and provides. And some people might not think that's a a great faith statement. That's one of the greatest faith statements there is. To just simply say, the Lord will provide. What are we going to do in our old age? What are we going to do when the kids get grown? Now you need to do what he tells you to do each step along the way. But don't get so obsessed in that that you act like sinners. And you don't have time for the kingdom until you get your stuff done. Because if you do, you've messed up. When the Lord took me to that verse in Matthew 6.33 years ago, and he told me, he said, you and Phyllis are not doing this. And he also said, he said, many of my people know this, but they're not doing it. When they have money come in, the kingdom is not the first thing they think about. They think about, you know, got to pay this bill, got to do this, got to take care of this. And they put all these things ahead of the kingdom. And then if they've got something that they can spare. And you will not be blessed like that. The Lord cannot get in in your affairs and do what he wants to do because you're ignoring his word and violating the first principle of prosperity. Keep reading. He told us don't take any thought. Don't worry. Verse 29. Seek not. Everybody say "Seek seek not. Seek not. Say it again. Seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink. Don't be of doubtful mind. Do not let it trouble you. And don't seek that. Now, uh, the same words are used here and in other places talking about seeking the Lord or seeking the stuff. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That word seek uh, literally means to seek By thinking and to seek how to do or how to obtain. One of our best English words is the word plotting. Plotting, P-L-O-T-T-I-N-G. Plotting. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Think about it. Think about how to do it. Think about how to obtain it. Plot. That's already come up by the Spirit two or three times in in these services this week. About thinking about it. And talking about it. See, people think about, how can I get that house? How can I get that car? How can I get that promotion? They think about it. They plot about it. I can do this. I can do that. And I uh, I can shift this. 
we can take a little bit away from that. And, and if I can get them down to here, and and uh, then they maybe give they maybe they could give me an advance, and then. Hmm? Y'all all looking at me so holy. Anybody ever plotted, plotted to try to figure out how to make something happen? Were you seeking it? You, you were seeking it. And he said, don't do that. Seek not. Am I reading the scriptures or not? Seek not. Those things, what you're going to eat, drink, and and of course that, that covers the whole realm of material and natural things. Don't do that. Now you'll have to make some changes to not do that. But you, you don't just create a vacuum, you replace it with something. You get up in the morning and your mind's in gear. How can I advance the kingdom? What can I do? How can I help the work of God? And you think about it. And you you reach down and you, you plot. You plot. Have you found out if you want something bad enough? You find a way. Huh? You, you find a way. So the, the, the plotting and, and the thinking and the, the, the reaching and the planning and the trying to, trying to see it. If we do that with the kingdom of God, we're in his vein. We're in his flow. Our hearts are open where he can talk to us. And when you want what he wants, you become unstoppable. Because you got all the resources of heaven to back you. Because it's not just your idea. You want what he wants. Can you see this? Seek not those things. For after all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you have need of all these things. You don't have to plot. He already has. You don't have to figure out how to get it. He already knows how to get it. He's already got it set up. Is it really true that if we will seek first the kingdom of God, that the Lord will add to us every natural and material thing we need without us stressing and struggling for it? Is that really true? Is that really true? Why wouldn't we do it then? Do not assume you know this verse. Do not presume you're doing it. Seek. Think about it. How to do it. How to obtain it. I'm having some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. (laughs) I get up in the morning thinking. How can we get this word out? How can we reach out? Reach more with more. How can we do it? And the longer I go, the more I'm persuaded that nothing's too big for God. It don't make a difference how much it costs. It don't make a difference where it is, how it is. If the Lord's in it, if he's in it, 
How can we reach more people with the word of God? How can, how can we do it? And friend, when you get on that vein, it's okay to be obsessed. And to covet. You're longing for it. You dream about it. But you're not dreaming about a car. You're not dreaming about a house. This is not even going to be here in a few years. None of this stuff's going to even be here in a few years. And we have found, Phyllis and I have found, as we do that, here comes a car. Here comes a house. Here comes clothes. Here comes money. And we go, glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. How can we do? What can we reach? Lord, how can we expand? How can we reach out? How can we do more? And just like he said, the stuff just keeps getting laid beside you. Laid beside you. Here's some millions. Here's some people. Here's some stuff. Here's an open door. Here it is. Huh? And after a taste of some of that, you don't get so excited about a car anymore. They're nice, thank God, but it's just a car. I don't care what kind it is. Hmm? You don't get so excited about stuff. Thank God for it, but it's just not, it's, it doesn't compare with the other. This is, that's temporary. This is eternal. The Lord wants you to have this and enjoy it, but it's passing away real quick. This will shine like the stars forever. Come on, can you see this, friends? And every child of God can make a difference. If you're willing. Every child. It's not about giving your last penny and impoverishing yourself. You have more to give than money. You got your thought and your time and, and your prayers and your faith and your talents. Wow. Yes. Every, everybody in here has got graces and abilities that would make you an asset to advancing the kingdom. Amen. If you can take instructions. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have to be the boss of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you'd be willing for the Lord to use you the way he would use you. Because he'll give you assignments that you don't think is your thing. <laughs> he'll give you assignments that you don't see the, the reason and the purpose. Hmm? And it's just something real simple. You need to know how to respond and go, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Let's get to it. <laughs> Come on now. If you're in the streets of glory and if the streets could be dusty... And the Lord handed you a broom and said, would you sweep this for me? Are you going to look up and say, Lord, that's not my ministry. Would you? I don't think so. Well, why would you do it down here? If it's got anything to do with the kingdom of God, it should not be beneath you. Are too insignificant for your time and your effort. What did the psalmist say? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the penthouse and to dwell in the big house, to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let me be somebody just standing by at the door. Kingdom things eclipse everything else. Doesn't look like it in this world right now, but that's why the whole thing is by faith. 
Do you care about what the Lord cares about? Do you? You think it'd be good and right for you to have kingdom on your mind from the time your eyes open in the morning to the time you close them at night? Because in a few more days, you're going to be out of here. You're going to be gone. And when the Lord brings a bunch of stuff into you and a bunch of opportunity and a bunch of ability and a bunch of money and, and houses and cars and stuff, what should you think? What should you think? Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Man, this missionary could use a car. Hey, these folks could use a house over here. Oh, man, I can underwrite. We can get that new equipment for that church over there, for that mission over there. Well, glory to God. And if you get to thinking like that and plotting like that every day and every night, I'm telling you, God will notice you. That's not, that's not just my idea. Anybody remember the, uh, the centurion? How that God caused the, the angel to come to him and caused Peter to come to his house and preach the gospel. The Bible said his prayers and his alms had come up before God. It was up in front of God. And God said, we got to do something for this man. Why? And he's a soldier. He wasn't a preacher. But he wanted to do stuff for the people of God. He wanted to do stuff for the poor. He wanted and he did everything he could with what he had. And God was pleased with it. And promoted him and added to him. Say the scripture out loud again. Seek ye first. The kingdom of God. Keep reading this because... Luke says it a little bit differently here. He said, verse 29, Seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither uh, be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Is it true? What are people thinking about millions all over the place when they get up in the morning? Hmm? How they can make some money. How they can climb the corporate ladder. How they can get that promotion. How they can get that house. How they can get that car. They think about it. They plan. They plot. And the thing is, the Lord's not against you having and enjoying some stuff. But if that's all your life is, you're wasting it. You're wasting precious time. Because there's more to life than houses and cars and, and retirement and golf and fishing. You believe it or not. Anybody that's done it any length of time knows. You can only shop so much and then you only golf so much, fish so much, and then you're like, man, let's do something else. Huh? Why? Because you're not made to just kick back and take it easy perpetually. You are made to produce for the kingdom of God. You're made to be fruitful. You're supposed to get up in the morning with kingdom on your mind. Thinking, Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. What can you use me to do today to advance your kingdom? To help the work of God. To help the people of God. To help reach the unreached. To help get the, the, the backsliders back in. To, to encourage the people that's, that's living for you. What can I do? What can I do? Nothing should be too trivial for you or too insignificant. If, it, if it's kingdom, it's important. Every piece of it. Every part of it. He said, 
Verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms and provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that fails not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupts, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He said, sell stuff and liquidate. Put it into the gospel and put it into poor folks. You know, if we really could get a glimpse of the future and what's going to matter then, I believe we would do some liquidating. In the book of Acts, when they first got saved and they got filled with the Spirit, that's what they did, isn't it? We're going to talk about that more as we go. Now, you can almost hear some folks saying, well, you know, I would. If I could. But you know my husband. And you know my wife. She just. And you know I got this. And I got that. And it will be something else tomorrow. And it will be something else next year. And you'll look up. And it will be your time to, to go. And you don't want to think. Fool. Do you? I had in healing school some years ago there was a man and woman that were in there and, and I was he was deathly ill and uh, they were there for weeks uh, doctors had given them no hope and, and they had come to, to God as a last resort and looking for a miracle and this was one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to be around so kind and nice and gracious a gentleman And the Lord led me to teach on some things kind of along the line that we're touching on right now uh, throughout the week and as the weeks went by. And finally one day he came to me and I I never forget the look in his eye. Uh, Tears were in his eyes. And I had been teaching on if you want God's best, you have to give him your best. If you want God's perfect will for your life to enjoy his perfect will, you must do the perfect will of God. They are connected. Didn't the Bible say if you be willing and obedient, then you eat the good of the land. People tend to forget that. And he said, oh, Brother Keith, I know that's it. I know it. I know it. He said, he said, I knew as a teenager, the Lord wanted me to go do mission work in China. And he said, I've never done it. I looked at him, I mean, the angst in his eyes. He's at the end of his life, chronologically, and then he's got this disease. He said, I know. It was the burning passion of my soul. And I, he looked at me with tears. He said, but my wife wouldn't go. She told me if I'm going, I'm going without her. And I just couldn't stand. I love her. He said, but for the past, I forget ever what it was, 40, 50 years, he said, we've been sick and we've been broke and we've had trouble and, and it's just been one thing after another. And he said, I know I should have obeyed God. But now it's too late. That's sad. Isn't it? 
But this is what happens when you put family ahead of the kingdom. I don't care if it's husband or wife or son or daughter or mama or daddy or yourself. If you put family ahead of the kingdom, you will forfeit and you'll lose. This is not just my idea. This is the scriptures. Did you know this? Back up to Luke 9. You're right there. Back up to Luke 9. And I, this is a little bit different tonight, but can you take it? Can you receive it? Some things make us shout and holler and want to dance. Some things make us want to cry and repent. We need it all. Don't we need it all? We need it all. Sometimes it's not time to jump and shout. It's time to repent. Luke 9. Verse 59. Luke 9, 59. Jesus said to another one, follow me. Come on. What does it mean, follow me? When Jesus told these people, follow me. What did that mean? Think about Matthew at his collection seat. Think about Peter and and John fishing. Think about the other guy. When he said, what did they do when he said, follow me? What did they do? They walked away from everything. They walked away from business. They walked away from family, commitments, ties, didn't they? They walked away. He said, follow me. And the guy said, Lord, let me first. Did you hear that word? Let me first go and bury my father. Now, I I don't think that his father was dead yet. I'm thinking he's saying, you know, let me wait till he dies. And I, and I take care of that and, and bury him. And verse 60, Jesus said, well, okay, because you know, you got to take care of your family. Because family comes first. That's just being a Christian. That is a distortion and a perversion of the teachings of the master. There are people, I mean, I've had people just get flat mad with me. Because I wouldn't agree and consent to them that they are to put their family first. Because they say, well, that's what Jesus taught. It is not what Jesus taught. People associate being a Christian with family first. If family is first, God is not. Kingdom is not. Can't have two first. Jesus said, what did he say? Help me out. Now, what if I told somebody that? <laughs> well, somebody came to me and I said to them, you know, by the word of the Lord, you got a call on your life. You need to come in here and get working in the gospel right now. We got stuff to do. Come on, help me. And they said, well, well, well Brother Keith, you know, my, my dad's getting older and I got to take care of him and I got stuff to do. And, and you know, when I get all that done and I, and I can liquidate their, their assets, you know, a lot of stuff to be done. I, it might be a year, two or three, I don't know. But then I, and I said, hey, let the dead bury their dead. (laughs) You come on with me. We got to preach the kingdom of God. We got kingdom business to do. There are plenty of dead folks to take care of the dead. There are plenty of folks that don't care about the kingdom of God. All they're going to do is their stuff anyway. Let them take care of it. You come help me. Oh. Folks would be shocked. They'd fall out. They'd go, oh, what a man. How dare him? 
Everybody knows that's a good Christian thing to do. People have replaced the word of God with their traditions. This is one of them. Family first. Jesus did not teach family first. Nor did he practice family first. He preached. Repent. Because the kingdom of God has come. Come on, let's preach the kingdom. Come on, let's build the kingdom. Come on, the Lord is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Come on, let's get this thing done. The time is short. Come on, come on, come on. People say, yeah, but my my little girl's got soccer practice. And, And... You know, I get my hair done on Thursdays and, 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 you know, I got tea time at such and such and, and people's lives are filled with this and that's where their money is and that's where their heart is and they get mad if anybody suggests that they ought to do any more. What do you want out of me, preacher? It ain't me. It's your master. It's your Lord. How much does he want? All. He wants it all. <laughs> well, I got to have some from me. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. He wants it all. He wants your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And everything under your hand and everything on your back. All. 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 Everybody say all. All. True or not? Yes. All. Well, what about this, Brother Keith? What about that? He told you. If you'll seek the kingdom first, he knows you got stuff in life that you need to take care of. He knows little Susie needs this and Bobby needs that. He knows there's some things you need to do in the community. He knows. And if you'll put the kingdom first, he'll multiply your time. He'll bring you the money. He'll give you the favor. He'll make it work. Come on, are you listening? He'll make it work. And all these things, somebody say all these things. All All these things will be laid by you, laid addition to you, and just added to you as you go. As you do what? As you go doing what? Seeking, thinking about, plotting about the kingdom. Every day, every night. Go on over to uh, the 14th chapter of Luke. You're right there by Luke 14. Luke 14, Jesus said, 14.26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and his own life too, he can't be my disciple. Now, if you didn't know that was in the Bible, And I just stood up here and said that tonight. Most folk would probably leave and say, oh, that's error. Matthew 10 says it like this. I believe it's enlightening. Matthew 10, 37. You don't have to turn there. It says, he that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. The word hate has to do with 
loving less and more. If you look up the, the Greek, the definitions. But it also has to do with anything that would get in the way and stop you from serving God in the kingdom of God. You need to despise. Anything. And all your people ought to know. Don't make them pick between you and the Lord. Everybody. Everybody ought to know. Your wife, your husband, your kid, everybody ought to know. Don't put me in that position because I won't even have to think about it. I already made up my mind. Well, is it the Lord or me? Him. (laughs) Well, you go out to pick. I already have. (laughs) Me or him? I told you. It's supposed to be that simple. But it is not. It is not. Millions are missing the plan of God. Because the truth told, they love that woman, they love that man, they love that son, they love that daughter more than God himself. They do. They are disobeying God, ignoring God. Because they can't stand to see their baby hurt. And they got to take care of their baby. And they got to do this. And, and they got to do that. And, and it wouldn't make any difference what the Lord told them to do. They're not going to do it. Because their kid comes first. Their family comes first. This is what got us in the shape we're in. Let me ask you a question. What if Moses had put his family first? Anybody remember Zipporah? His wife? Hmm? Moses was married to Zipporah. You don't hear too much about her because she got left at the house. (laughs) But Moses almost missed God. He almost missed God. Why? If you read it, it sounds strange because the Lord told Moses... What to do about leading his people out of uh, the Egyptian bondage. And told him about circumcising the covenant and circumcising his child. And what to do. And everything sounds fine. And then the next thing it says that the Lord's about to kill him. Have you read it or not? And your mind goes, whoa. Everything seems to be going so well. (laughs) He's about to be killed. And then next thing you know, got Zipporah pops up. And she runs over there and circumcises the child because her husband's about to die. And and then she hollers at him and says, you're a bloody husband. And then when he leaves, she does not go and the kids do not go. They stay with her dad. And throughout the whole scenario of him and all the miracles they did, she missed the whole deal. She stayed with her daddy. Obviously, she was offended by this concept of circumcision. And obviously she put up a big deal and said, not my baby, you're not. And she laid down the law and she put her foot down. And obviously Moses was given in because he about died. He about missed the plan of God. What if Moses had put his family first? Where would the story of the Exodus be? What if Jesus had put his family first? His kinfolks came, didn't they? And they stood outside the door. And his friend says, he's lost it. 
And even his mom. And his sisters and brothers, they came and sent word to him. You need to come out here and see us. Why? Because they said he's lost it. They're going to take the boy home. Jesus we're talking about. His own family. We're going to take the boy home. Jesus did not even get up and go to the door. It's his mom out there. He didn't get up. He looked around and said, My mama and my brothers and my sisters are right here. Those that hear the word of God and do it. That's my family. Wow. Did Jesus put family first? Talking about his natural blood family? No. You know who did? Adam. Adam did put his family first. Go to Genesis, third chapter. Genesis, the third chapter. You know the story. God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit of the tree, knowledge of good and evil. Told them if they did, they'd die. Devil shows up, questions God, contradicts God. Talks Eve into it. He convinced Eve. The Bible said Eve was deceived, Timothy says. Adam was not. Eve bought it. Adam didn't. And yet Adam did it anyway. And yet he's he's not convinced. He's not deceived. Why did he do it then? Listen. Genesis 3, 17. God says to Adam after they have eaten and fallen. He said, Adam, this is the NIV. Because you listened to your wife. And you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Listen to the easy to read version. Easy to read says, the Lord God said to the man, I commanded you not to eat from that tree, but you listened to your wife and ate from it. Complete Jewish says, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I gave you the order, you must not eat from it. Can you see what he did? What is, what is the Lord saying? I told you something to not do and you ignored me. And did what your wife said. Adam loved Eve. He's not deceived. She ate. And she said here you need to eat this too. He's crystal clear. On what God told him to do. And she said you need to eat this. Eat it. People can be very persuasive. Very insistent. Very demanding. He said, "Mm." she said, eat it. I said, eat it. (laughs) You are going to eat it. (laughs) And he listened to his wife. And he put his family, that's the only family he had, ahead of God and before God. Are y'all with me, friends? He's not the last man 
that'll have to answer to God because he listened to his wife instead of God. Or a woman that listened to her husband instead of God. I know people don't like to hear this. They don't like to think about it. But see, the devil is counting on you loving that flesh so much that you will absolutely miss God over it. That the very thought of losing them, you'll do anything. And the problem with that is what Jesus said, if you hold on to your life, if you grip it to keep it, what's going to happen? You will lose it. You'll lose it. And the people that you gave into, they won't respect you. I don't care if it's mom or dad or sister or brother, whoever the situation is. When you compromise your morals and what you know is God in your heart in order to keep the family together, that's a lie. It's not going to help them. The greatest thing you can ever do for your people is to follow God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And it may seem in the beginning like you're going away from them and like they're separating. And so you may, you may be further apart. It may seem like you're going to lose somebody. But I'm telling you, before it's all said and done, there'll be the very ones come pat you on the back and go, man, you did the right thing. Because you will eventually be in a position to help them and to be a strength to them. And if you'd listen to them, you would not be. Do you hear it, friends? He said, if you love mother, father, brother, sisters, anybody more than me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. You don't qualify. If you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not worthy. You don't qualify. Go to Timothy, please. Matthew 13. The Bible said even the sufferings that we might encounter in this present life, they are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Just. Uh, we've already heard some things. In the word already. Just close your eyes. Lift up your hand. And tell the Lord that you. You love him. And that he's number one in your heart and life. No matter how you've thought or acted. Or what you've done in the past. In your heart. He's, he's number one. Number one. Number one. And you're not going to let anybody. Take his place. Or. Usurp his place as the number one in your heart and in your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, for enlightening us, helping us to get out of the confusion and smoke and and uh, haze and in the light clear, the light plain, the light bright. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are you going to let anything or anybody take God's place in your life? Ignore him and and pick them over him. Huh? Not a career. Not because of money. Not because of family. What's the greatest thing you can ever do for your family? Seek the kingdom with all your heart. Follow God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They may not think so, but it is. Some of my relatives, thank God not my mom and dad, they were very supportive. But some of my relatives, some of them that were in the ministry, came when Phyllis and I were making the decision to go into the ministry uh, 30 some years ago. 
and uh, tried to talk me out of it and pled with me and, and read me scriptures that I didn't understand and said, wasn't well, the Holy Ghost your teacher? And I thought, uh-huh. And well, can he teach you here? And I thought, I guess. Why you got to go all the way out there for him to teach you? And we need young men and women that serve God here. We don't have all that many and, and we need you to help. And it sounded reasonable and, and I didn't have the answers. And all I knew is what it felt like the Lord told us to do. People flat tried to talk me out of it. Did their best. But some of those same people 20 years later. Pat me on the back. Oh man, you did the right thing. You did the right thing. And some of those same people, we're now in a position to help. Help them with faith. Help them with money. Help them. If we hadn't obeyed God, we wouldn't have been in a position to help them. That's right. I tell you, go, go to Matthew 13. Then we'll go to 2 Timothy 2, I think. Did you find the scripture? Matthew 13, 43. The Lord, is his eyes are scanning and seeking through the whole earth, isn't he? What's he looking for? He's looking for those whose heart is perfect. That word perfect means wholehearted. Wholehearted. Somebody say wholehearted. The word perfect sometimes is translated complete. Completely heart towards. Didn't the Lord say, you're lukewarm. I'd rather you were hot or cold. Surely he wouldn't rather you be cold. He said he would. (laughs) You know, the Lord is this way. He didn't want you playing. In or out. Do it or don't. Do it with all your heart. Be here because you want to be. And be here with everything you got. And do it. If not, you'll grieve him. You'll upset him. Why? Because if he would call you and use your friend, it is the greatest honor of our life. He knows our weaknesses and our shortness and the ignorances. And in spite of all that, he says, come and I'll use you. And then if we drag around and go, well, I'm busy and I got this. and I, Oh, man, that's acting like he should have picked somebody else. That's acting unworthy. Just say it out loud. Close your eyes. Just say it out loud. Lord, I'm yours. You bought me. You paid for me. You redeemed me. My spirit, my soul, my body belongs to you. Yours. Do with me what pleases you. Everything I am, everything I have, everything I'll ever be, ever have is yours. 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 Hallelujah. Matthew 13, 43 says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He said it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. We're going to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our father. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man has found, he hides it. And for joy, somebody said joy. For joy, he goes and sells all that he has 
And he goes and buys that field. He said that's how the kingdom is. Verse 45. Again. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man. Seeking. Somebody say seeking. Seeking. Seeking goodly pearls. Seeking. What does seeking mean? Somebody help me. Seeking. Seeking means you think about it. You think about where you can find it. And how you can do it. And you plan and you plot. And you think. And verse 46. He found one pearl. It was the pearl of pearls. It was the pearl everybody wants in their collection. It was the pearl that's in the books. It's in the history books. It's talked about the pearl of great price. And what did he do? Come on, what did he do? He went and sold everything, all that he had, and he bought that. What is the pearl of great price? He said it's the kingdom. He kept talking about the kingdom. Didn't he mention the kingdom a couple of times in this passage? He said that's what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like. Why? The kingdom is our ultimate pursuit. It's on our mind. It's in our thoughts. It's in our mouth. It's in our plans. It's in our dreams. It's in our songs. It's what we talk about at the table. It's what we talk about when we ride down the road in the car. How do people get in the kingdom? Born again. They get born again. Kingdom of God is being advanced. Where the gospel of the kingdom is being preached. And people are pressing in to the kingdom. Hallelujah. And the kingdom is being advanced. Can you do something to help? Can you do something? Can you? You. You. Do something to help the kingdom of God grow. And increase. And the word get out. And more people get in. Can you? Can you? It's why you're on the planet. It's why you were created. It's why you were made. And nothing will satisfy you. Like that will. In Timothy. 2 Timothy 2. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. 2 Timothy 2. And 3. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Say that first verse, endure hardness. As a good soldier. Does that apply to you? Everybody in here? It, it does. We live in a soft generation. We live in a self-centered, self-focused, indulgent generation. We haven't had to deal with much persecution in this country for a long time. We live in, in great comfort compared to most of the world. And many, many, many Christians are absolutely unwilling to be discomforted or inconvenienced at all to get anything done. 
I hear things all the time and it, is, it makes me and Phyllis shake our heads. Here's an opportunity for somebody to go do something for the kingdom of God. And, and, but they can't leave their wife for two days. They can't. They can't. Well, I, I. Why? Well, they don't like me being gone. Is there a reason? She just doesn't like for me to go. Oh. People have an opportunity to do something and make a difference, and they go, "Well, yeah, but I, I've got this and I've got that," and and the absolutely unwilling. Not not to, to, to not suffer, but even to be inconvenienced. The Lord tells us we are to have a soldier mentality. Aren't we? What's a soldier mentality? Listen to me, friends. Our young men and women of these United States are driving down roads where enemies are pointing weapons at them today. Are you listening? You think they wanted to roll out of that cot and put on all their gear and pile in that thing and go down the road where they know people want to kill them? Do you think they do? But they're a soldier. I said they're a soldier. And they follow their orders. And they accomplish their objectives. And they do what they're told to do. And they do it for the natural kingdom of the USA. And for you and me, and I'm thankful for it. But friend, if you do that for a natural kingdom, how much more should you do it for the eternal everlasting kingdom that shall never end and never pass away? I'm reminded of World War II. I wasn't here. I didn't experience it. It was before my time. But just seeing the footage and reading and just knowing the way things turned out, man, people pulled together. I mean, their young men and their old men were gone, not for two days, for months and for years. Are you listening? And people endured hardness. And the women did things that they had never done before. And they rolled up their sleeves and the kids did. And people sacrificed and they did without. And they, why? Because the very uh, freedom and existence of the nation was hanging in the balance. And they worked and they sacrificed. They worked around the clock. Everybody did stuff. Because when you put everybody together. Oh come on now. And you get one mind. And one accord. And all your resources. And all your energies. And all your talents. And all your millions are focused on this one objective. You become unstoppable you become isn't that what the Lord said even about those at the Tower of Babel he said they're all saying the same thing they're all on the same page nothing they've imagined will be restrained from them he had to step in oh well he won't step in if we're all one mind and one accord trying to do his will trying to do his kingdom he, he will just embrace and empower and enable We just, we're up to it. I don't, I don't think I should try to go into it right now, but we're up to where I've been wanting to go all week. <laughs> Can you be back tomorrow night? <laughs> endure hardness. Can you endure some discomfort? Can you be put out? Can you be inconvenienced? You know? 
Phyllis and I, not once, not twice, several times. We've been in places and things have been comfortable for us. And, and we built up some stuff and the Lord said, turn it loose, let it go. Come do this. And we said, okay. And we'd come out of something nice and go into something little and go into something cramped. But hey, we're in the army. Are you listening? Get rid of that something. I enjoyed doing something we had. We let it go. We turn it loose. And the Lord said, I'll do better for you. Follow me. You go where you're, where you're sent. And you stay where you're stationed. And you have a purpose besides just living and making retirement. Come on now. you got a purpose. You were created. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You have talents. You have abilities. You have things you can do. Things you can add to make this thing go. It is so sad that church after church after church, even large churches, have got a handful of people that do all the work all the time. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. A handful of people give 90% of the finances. And they're the same people that give over and over again. I didn't say this church. (laughs) But a lot of places. The pastors work themselves silly night and day and two or three, five or ten of their staff when they got thousands of people doing nothing, nothing, nothing. It is not okay. I said it is not okay. And people get indignant and they think, well, I come to church and I didn't put something in the offering. Tell the Lord that. See if he's happy with it, if he's satisfied. But what do you want me to do? It's not me. Did you read the verses? Did you hear them? Your Lord requires everything you got. Everything. Everything. He wants you to present yourself to him every morning and say, here I am. What can I do? If he says, I want you to box this up lock, stock, and barrel, I want you to be on the other side of the world in two weeks. Then you quit hollering and crying about mom and them and my home place and this and my retirement. You best obey God because you're going to be out of here in a few days. And and I'm telling you, it's so sad that so many men and so many women are going to stand in front of the Lord. And he's going to say, why didn't you do what I told you to do? And they're going to say, well, you know my wife and you know my husband. And and it ain't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. He's not going to hear any excuse. Even if we've wasted time. Here's the good news. You're still alive. (laughs) I said you're still alive. You still got some time. Still got some days. Remember we started out talking about how the Lord can make up for times that have been lost. He has that amazing, gracious, merciful ability. He can restore what the grasshoppers and canker worms ate up. Come on, you remember that? I said, do you remember that? Then you're still alive. You still got time. Even if you've blown it, even if you've gone the wrong direction with your life, even if you've wasted years and time and money and opportunities, God loves you. He knows your heart. And if you're willing, he'll pick you right up. He'll pick you right up. He'll dust you off. He'll re-equip you. He'll get you back in the right place. If you're willing. If you're willing. If you're willing. Somebody stand up. I want to know if anybody's reporting for duty in here. Come on. Help me out. Is anybody in here reporting for duty? The Lord needs somebody that will follow orders. 
He doesn't need a bunch of whiny babies. A bunch of little weak, soft things that can't endure anything. The Lord tells you to go do something. Are you willing to do it? Don't tell him, well, Lord, I don't know how. He already knows you don't know how. Well, I, I, I don't know if I can. If I, listen, if he was gracious enough to say, come do it, he already knows he's going to have to hold your hand and carry you through the thing. He already knows that. Just say, thank you, sir, and report for duty. I want everybody to stand up. Don't slouch. Stand up. Come on, stand at attention. Close your eyes. Say that loud, Lord, here am I. Forgive me. Forgive me. Being, distracted. Being distracted. Being obsessed. Being obsessed. Misled. Misled. Things of this life. Acting like this is all there is. Pursuing things. Spending all my time on things. That won't make any difference. A hundred years from now. Or even next year. Forgive me for any time, any opportunities I've wasted. I've put myself or other people or other things ahead of you. Forgive me. It's not right. And I judge it. And I say, here am I. You know what I am. You know what's here and what's not here. But I'm saying... Here I am. Use me. Any way you will. I don't mind. Some discomfort. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. With anybody. That you want me to do. I'll endure hardness. I'll put up with things. Discomfort. Inconvenience. It is worth it all. Here am I. Use me. me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.